Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Hello and welcome, Phil Nagone. We're going to talk about Parsha's Matos and Mase together in this recording, even though the Parshas this year and often are separate. Um, so Parsha's Matos, I'm going to share two thoughts. The first from the Vilnagon is a very interesting idea, where in Perak Lamadal of Pasuk Nun, it talks about how the Jews went to fight against the Midianim, and uh, many of the men sinned, and they therefore had to bring a carbon to Hashem. And the Pasuk says that they had to bring a carbon, the men, Asher Matzah Kli Zahav, that has the uh, Kli Zahav, the women, and again, this is hinting to the fact that maybe there were bad thoughts there, Atsada, Vitzamid, Tabas, Agil, Bechumaz. There are five types of... Um, uh, things from the women, and I'll give a quick translation based on Rashi. Rashi says that Atsada is a ankle bracelet or foot bracelet. Actually, the Eben Ezra uh, and the Bachi both seem to say that. But uh, a foot bracelet. Tzamid is a hand bracelet. Agil is a nose ring. Um, and what did I leave out? Tabas are, are finger rings. Um, and Kumas is a uh, very private uh, one. So the... Um, the question that, that's very interesting is that, you know, what are all these different um, types of um, jewelry? So there's a very fascinating gra in Shira Shiram that explains, and it's, it's a, based on a couple of different places. But the Gemara says that, um, that Rekiva promised his wife, when I have money, I'm going to get you an ear shalzav. It was a very expensive um, piece of jewelry. I'll get you a Yerushalayim uh, made out of uh, gold. And, and she got it. Um, and Rabbi Gamliel's wife saw it, and she was jealous of it. Now, we'll explain what that means in a minute, based on this, the Gemara and Shabbos, New Testament, Aleph. So um, she said to her husband, Rabbi Gamliel, why does, she, why does Rachel get one, and I don't get one? And um, Rabbi Gamliel's answer seems a little callous, and we have to understand it, but the girl explains it, that you didn't do the actions that she did. So when you act like her, then you could have one like her. Um, so the girl explains the following. I mean, obviously, what does this mean? And these were Tzadik and Sidkanio, so there's just so much to, to understand. And of course, you could say that, you know, every woman loves jewelry, even Rebekiva's wife. And even Rebekiva's wife, the truth is, the Gemara and Ksuba stuff, Samach Beis and Beis, where it talks about where Rebekiva came back, her response was, Yodea Tzadik Nefesh Bahamto, which Rashi and other Mepharshim say is, she was saying, uh, Rebekiva, my husband, knows my needs, which is a very important thing that a, a wife should always know, that her husband knows what her needs are. And uh, th- that definitely makes a lot of sense. She came from richness, and um, she lived in abject poverty, selling her hair uh, in order to support her husband's learning journey after her father wrote her off for marrying the Samaritz, who was a beloved person and who um, had a loving and generous and, I think Morris says, a, a kind and humble uh, persona that she saw instinctively uh, could be turned into someone great. But nonetheless, I mean, that, that's part of the secret of his greatness, the um, years and years that he was gone. And that she stood by vigilant the twenty four the twelve and twelve years that he was gone, uh, he came back after twelve, and she basically sent him back and without probably without even talking with him um, because his learning was so important so of course we 're not Rikivas nowadays, and we 're not Aceous uh, Rikivas Rachels either so the Gra says like this that the um, the two most famous pieces of jewelry that women are given in Chazal are the um, Ones that go on her head or on her neck. 
And the Gras says that these celebrate spiritual qualities that she has. The ones on her head correspond her being a bala seichel, which is on the head. And the ones on the neck, which is the body downward after the head, um, represents that she uses her body properly because her action that, that she brings out with her body are, are good. So the Rakiva's wife, her action that she uh, used in her body, that she supported her husband's learning, that made her deserve the, uh, this, this great gift. And so when Rakiva's wife saw that she got it, Rakiva wasn't insulting her when, she, when, when he responded to her that you, know, you didn't do the same action she, she took. He was explaining to her the, the reality. The reality is that uh, th- these Chashev Rabbanim, they bought their wives jewelry based on their actions, and Hashem allowed them to get this jewelry based on their actions, what they deserved, as, a, as kind of a token for, for their good seichel or their good actions. And so that's, that's what was being said there. And so when a person has these, act, these actions, and obviously it refers to, you know, physical ones in this case, but also it has a spiritual, you know, aspect because it says, Midov Bad, the Kohen would wear his begadim, and it's your Midos, the, the Gemara Hazal Darshan, that it's your Midos, and your Midos represent the clothing that you get. And so it's the same thing with, with these uh, items mentioned in this Pasuk that we're talking about. Uh, each of these items correspond to uh, different uh, body parts and different aspects that the woman uses, Bikadusha Vatara. And so, too, a woman should recognize in herself, and a man should as well, that if Hashem gives you a physical gift, um, whether it's the beauty itself that they have, or whether it's a, a gift of something to adorn that they like to wear on their body and feel good by wearing it, the Gemara says that clothing are called michodosi, those which, or Yochanan call them, those which give me honor, because a person could dress in a respectable way, and it could bring out a big kiddush Hashem. When you see a Rosh Hashiva dressed in, um, in his impeccable uh, coat and hat it's a it's a it's an awe-inspiring vision or when you see someone that's put together and being by the way he or she looks that's an amazing thing and so when you look at all these um pieces of jewelry they are really a spiritual manifestation of the fact that we want to adorn our souls and that's what we have to keep in mind when it comes to jewelry um the second thing on parsha's matos is specifically on this Chazal, there's a very interesting Chazal in, in, in the Gemara and Shabbos. The Gemara says, why does the Pasuk count the um, jewelry that is private and jewelry that, that is on the outside? And the Gemara and Shabbos stuff, says it's because if a person allows himself to stare at even a finger of a woman inappropriately, it's as if he uh, violated even more than that in, in, in staring at even more inappropriate places. What does that mean? That means that a person needs to control himself. If someone knows that whenever they go somewhere that they're going to have desires, they need to take control of themselves. And if someone knows that when they go a certain place they're going to want to eat something or buy something or partake of something, they always need to be very, very careful with their Kedusha. But the Gra says that if you look at the, this, what is this, what is this Chazal, why are they darshing this from the Pasuk? What does it mean? But the Gra once again goes towards Trup, and he explains that the Trup in the Pasuk actually breaks up the words in a way that um, the asnachta comes with the word uh, tabas, which is a ring on a, on a woman's finger, agil, the chumas, and that's a very private uh, piece of jewelry, and the, the uh, asnachta, the trap tells us to read it all together. And so that's what the Gemara was bothered, why are you putting these two in the same breath? But it's to tell us a very important lesson in life, that a person has to have gedarim, and that a person needs to know that, hey, if I do this one thing, then it's going to lead me to worse things. We always say, that the Rebbe Hashem, Chazal say that that when a person does an avera, 
a person doesn't sin unless he has a nichnas baruch shtus. He's overcome by stupidity, by craziness. So if that's the case, that a person only sins when he's overcome with stupidity and craziness, then he could claim that he's temporarily insane, and therefore he's not liable. And there's what to debate about this question, but if you think about the question, you could argue that, that no, a person is still liable, but there's a better answer. And the answer is fine, you're not liable. You're not liable. When someone stands at the edge of a cliff and he falls off, it's not your fault. But what is your fault is why you got so close to the edge. So why did you put yourself in a situation where that real shtus would go there? I had a kid I worked with who was a shoplifter. And when he walked in a store with friends, he was always fine because they would keep him in check. But when he walked by himself, that's when he always shoplifted. He always shoplifted. He was very embarrassed of it. So whenever he went with someone else, he wouldn't do it because he was afraid to get, he would get caught. Um, so when he got caught and the police called me, etc., and I had to come help him. So uh, he said, I didn't do anything wrong. I, it's, a, it's, a, it's an impulse and I can't control it. And it's true. He had kleptomania. And he obviously, he did not get any uh, legal punishment except for having to pay back what he stole. But um, what I said to him was, we made up that you weren't going to go into that store by yourself because you know what, you, what always happens. And he says, well, yeah, but I had, it was a quick run and I thought it'd be fine. But I said, you know, we agreed that you wouldn't be fine. So you're not responsible for what you did in the store, but you're responsible for entering the store. And he really did get his life together and, you know, really made sure that he did not, especially this one store that he had an affinity for, uh, he really made sure to stay away from it. Now, kleptomania is a very powerful example because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect most people. It's a very uncommon issue, and it's also not anything too personal. But this Chazal is telling us something very personal. It's telling us that a person needs to always work on their Kedusha and see the end result, see that when I go into that store, I'm going to get into trouble. So therefore, I'm going to stop myself and make sure that I don't even go into that store because I know that I get that real shtus and that I am responsible for. All right, moving on to, uh, to Parshas Masse. It talks about the Gavulos of Eretz Yisrael, the borders of Eretz Yisrael. And the Gra brings down a very fascinating shot in a Gemara that talks about the expanding borders of Eretz Yisrael. So the Gemara Brachas Daf Nun Chesman Beis says that when you see the Bata Yisrael that are that are settled, you say Baruch Matziv Gvul Almana, praises God who extends the Gvul of the of the woman who thought she was forsaken, but yet Israel is expanding, um, and that's an amazing thing. So the Gra says like this um, that the Gemara Megillah Daf Chavtes says that the Bate Kanasios and Bate Midrashos in 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 Chutzlar, it's all the shuls and all the base medrashes, they will be established. They will be brought into Eretz Yisrael. And the Marsha there says a phenomenal thing that basically, in a lot of the other uh, some Rishonim even hinted this that a a shul in in Chutzlar, it's and a base medrash in Chutzlar, it's almost has a halacha, almost has a some some type of spiritual status of a shul in Eretz Yisrael, which is a phenomenal thing. So. Um, so, so says the um, the gra. What does this mean? Um, the um, the the ground where people learned and people davened over there. Um, how are you going to move that to Eretz Yisrael? Because if you put it into Eretz Yisrael proper, um, but Eretz Yisrael was already holy. So why? What are you doing by adding this item here? Um, you're bringing Eretz Tmea and downgrading the land. Um, but the Gemara says that that the um, that the shuls will be brought to Eretz Yisrael. But the answer is, says the Gra, that's what that's what it's saying is that the shuls, their land will be the extension and the expansion of Eretz Yisrael. So it'll be brought to Eretz Yisrael, and outside of where Eretz Yisrael uh, is, that will be expanded through the through the uh, 
uh, shuls and through the Makam Kadosh. Just to explain a little bit, to zoom out for a second. And the, the Alkut Ruveni brings down a Zohar. This is not necessarily fully agreed upon, but it's an interesting idea that makes a lot of sense. And it says like this. It says that when Mashiach comes, so right now we look at, the, there's three uh, splits in the world. There's uh, Chutz Laretz, then there's Eretz Yisrael, and then there's Yerushalayim, which is the most holy. So the uh, this Medrash, the Zohar, seems to say that when Mashiach comes, there won't be any Chutz Laretz anymore. That the whole world will now become Eretz Yisrael, and the current Eretz Yisrael, that whole thing will become Yerushalayim, which is fascinating. So you might say, well, uh, that's not fair. Where's everybody going to live? We all going to live in Yerushalayim? It gives new meaning to Eretz Svi that it expands because it literally does expand to the entire Israel. Whatever this means, these are Kabbalistic things, but they're fascinating to think about. But according to the Grub, what it means is that all the shuls will get together and, and that will turn into Eretz Yisrael. That will be the first expansion of Eretz Yisrael. And that's Zostia Lachama Arts Saviv. That's what the Pasuk might be hinting to when it talks about the uh, the expanding uh, boundaries of Eretz Yisrael. And finally, another thing about Eretz Yisrael also is in Parak Lamad Vav Pasuk that Laman Yershu Bnei Yisrael Ish Nachlas Avosav. Each person will inherit the portion of his father. There's a Gemara um, Psachim. That Rav Ami says anyone that has karka has to be Ola Regal. And if he doesn't have karka, he doesn't he do, doesn't own property, he doesn't have to be Ola Regal, because the Psukim describe um, that uh, Hashem says your land, no one will steal your land. So that's the only people that are Chayev in Ola Regal. The Chinuch and other Bafarshim try to explain that it means that that it's a point of saying thank you to Hashem, and if you don't have land, then you don't feel then you don't feel that Karsatov as much. But whatever whatever the reason is, that's the halacha. So Tosis brings down that Yehuda ben Maseira didn't wasn't Ola Regal. So Tosis says on Daf Gimel uh, Beis in Psachim that it's because he didn't have any karka. So what does that mean? How could Yehuda ben Maseira? He was a Jew. Every Jew owned ancestral land in Eretz Yisrael during the time of the base of Medush. So what does that mean? He didn't have any karka. So the Gra says like this: the Gemara of Basra Daf Kufiud Zayin Beis. Um, says that Eretz Yisrael was given to those that went out of Egypt or those that came into Eretz Yisrael. So technically, if you found someone who didn't go out of Egypt and didn't come into Eretz Yisrael with Yeshua, which is seemingly impossible, then they wouldn't have, a land, they wouldn't have any land. Well, the Gemara and Sanhedrin describes such a person. The Gemara and Sanhedrin of Tzadi Beis says that there were dead people that Yechezkel brought back to life. They didn't go, uh, go, out, of Eretz, go out of Mitzrayim because they left early and, and got killed. Um, because they didn't follow Moshe and they they tried to go out early, so they didn't they went they weren't uh, they didn't come out of Eretz Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, and they also didn't come into the land um, with with the Jews. But the, the Gemara says that according to one opinion, that Yechazkel was Machaya them, and they at that point they came to Eretz Yisrael and they got married and they had families. And Rehuda ben Maseira gets up and he says, and I am from their children, I'm their descendants, and here of a tefillin that my grandfather wore. Okay. And these are the mesim that Yechezkel brought up in the dry bones of Torah. Other Mepharshim say that they dropped dead immediately and it was only a small resurrection. But anyway, how Elu Ve'elu Devakim Chaim works is a whole different discussion, but we'll talk about it at a different time, God willing. Um, so these were the B'nai Ephraim that counted the kates and left early. So therefore, that's a shot that that, um, that Rehuda ben Masera actually uh, did not own any land and therefore he was Padre for to be Olaregel. Very interesting ideas of Chivob Haaretz. So thank you for joining me on this journey. We just finished Matos and Mase, and Bezer Hashem Hashem should help us finish uh, Sefer Tavarim, which we are about to start next week. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.